Blockchain is a technology that can change the way people work, how supply chains run, and as we learned in this episode of IT Visionaries, how students can take control of their education. We talked to Lev Gonick and Adam Kaplan, the CIO of Arizona State University and the SVP of Emerging Technology at Salesforce, respectively, about how the two organizations have joined together to bring blockchain into the world of education. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at Mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform. This episode is part of a special series on the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the platform that powers the world's number one CRM. In this series, executives from Salesforce will discuss how using 10 innovative technologies, including AI, blockchain, and automation, can help you drive the digital transformation of every experience and get you closer to your customers. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have, in remote locations spread all over the United States, Lev, Adam, what's going on? Hey, Ian. Great to connect. Excited about this. Lev, thank you so much for the time. Excited to do this with you. Likewise, I'm just guessing that today I'm in a much happier place in terms of beautiful weather than you are, Adam. Just thinking. (laughs) Yeah, that yeah. is uh, probably too cold, but sunny in Chicago, so not too bad. Well, we're going to get into a little bit about both of your backgrounds, uh, and we're going to talk a bunch of blockchain and some really cool applications. Um, but before we get into any of that, Lev, let's start with you. How did you get interested in technology in the first place? Well, I came up actually, interesting enough, as a sort of old-fashioned university professor, um, and I ended up taking a... Uh, a sabbatical, which is one of those privileges of being a university professor, w- way back in the fall of 1993. And it turns out I had a lot of time on my hands during a sabbatical, which is what everybody thinks professors do, namely just sort of sit and think. And uh, that fall, the fall of 1993, was when the Mosaic browser got introduced to the world. Uh, and that changed my life. Um, and after the fall of 1993, I never kind of went back to being the old uh, professor. And I got completely engaged with how this new technology could actually transform the learning environment. And as a lifelong educator, uh, that's the journey I've been on ever since. And flash forward to today, what is the scope of your responsibilities as CIO at ASU? Yeah, so ASU um, is uh, the largest uh, public university uh, in the country. We have uh, over 120,000 students, uh, including 50,000 who are learning online. And we also have uh, the distinction of, of being recognized as uh, the most innovative university in the land by U.S. News and World Report. And my responsibilities basically um, are, are end-to-end responsibilities for strategy and vision for our IT efforts, right through all of the operational responsibilities, security, and uh, working on next-generation activities, which is where Adam and I connected. Yeah, and we're going to get into some of the really cool innovations that you have worked on at ASU because um, there are some just cutting-edge stuff that you all have been working on at the university for a long time. Uh, so new, in fact, that many companies are not even trying it. It's a little teaser. Um, Adam, how did you get started in technology? Sure. I really wanted to be an entrepreneur and start a business. So coming out of business school in Chicago, I was looking for opportunities to do so. And I ended up working for a chocolate company, which actually has done really well. Um, it was a great company. It's still a great company. I worked for Bain and Company for one summer consulting. And then I came across Salesforce and I saw the opportunity to start a consulting firm around it and help companies 
implement the technology successfully. So that's really how I got in the technology game, not necessarily for technology's sake, but I saw an opportunity to partner with this very young, but very exciting technology company out West. And then we were able to grow a Salesforce grew and uh, obviously got much, much deeper into technology. And then when Apple came out with the iPhone, that really transformed our company. We went all in and we became sort of the mobile go-to for building cool business applications. And that really launched our company. And so flash forward to today, what does the SVP of emerging technology at Salesforce do? Sure, right now, laser focus on blockchain. So I know we'll obviously talk a lot more about that today, but it's a big initiative for the company and really exciting. And our customers are, are you know, really wanting to do some exciting things with it. So that's definitely my focus today is, is launching a blockchain product for Salesforce. Yeah, so let's start into the journey of, of blockchain. Um, Lev, this is something that obviously, you know, everyone has been buzzing about for a few years. Um, it's kind of coming into like the business case for the first time. Um, people are trying to figure out how to do that. Why did you think that this was something that you wanted to do at ASU? Well, it actually started with a, a problem statement, uh, which I think all of the, you know, the podcast listeners will probably relate to. When you, when you think about the role of universities in our, our society, uh, I think over the hundreds of years, we've kind of earned the trust that we are a ticket to opportunity uh, to jobs, to learning and discovery. And uh, that idea of how to take our well-earned trust quotient and figure out how to extend it further and to scale it further, uh, that trust element got me to be thinking about how important it is to reduce the friction in the way the education and workforce development ecosystem works. You know, they are all products of like the 19th century way of organizing things. And we've just been through the better part of a, a hundred years of evolution. And we really haven't changed the way uh, the organizations work. So it really, for me, started around trust. It's also kind of, again, where, where Adam and, and Salesforce and, and I got together was really a, around the, I think, natural interest in leveraging our core brands around trust. And actually, relatively quickly, we got to then whiteboarding the idea of how to take some of our really important business challenges that are out there in education and began sort of schematically uh, working with Adam and the team on how we could use uh, your interest in, the, in a trust cloud for, for, for mutual interest. And, and I'll be happy to share some of those important uh, use cases. But it, it does start from the idea that whatever our futures are, in this country, our competitiveness, um, our health and wellness, the core of it really comes down to our ability to educate um, and not only educate the traditional university student, but on a lifelong basis. And that is uh, ASU's ambition. Um, that's our commitment. And uh, we found a good partner uh, in, in Salesforce. Yeah, Adam. So when, when Lev came to you, and I know you've known each other for a little bit, but um, was this something that you all were already thinking about, already working on? Was this something that you saw as a logical extension uh, for someone like ASU who's already a Salesforce customer, who's already or has done innovations in the past and is looking at you know ways to, uh, to develop trust and to, to serve their students better? Yeah, absolutely. The, the mission really came from our CEO, 
he sort of realized, wait a second, Salesforce is great at democratizing technology, making technology easy to use, and sort of gave our team the mission to go figure out how can we how can we make this successful for our customers? How can we help them to leverage blockchain technologies, but you know, without going down to the infrastructure layer, without having to get to the command line, without having to stand up huge IT teams. So we started talking to customers and had the opportunity to meet Lev and ASU. And they were just so innovative in the way they were thinking about the future of education, thinking about blockchain. We found so many parallels in terms of how to work together. And what it came down to, I think, and obviously none of this is easy, but was, hey, can we strip away let's forget all the, the crazy technical terms around blockchain, forget all the, the hype. Can we really find value for students, for universities and make it real and not just sit in sort of a IT centric POC world of testing and sort of tinkering and actually build something of real value for the world. And that's been really, I think where we've had this great partnership with Lev and his team, very sort of, equal minds on sort of those those topics. And if I could just ju- jump in just to add that, I think we also it also resonated because we're all very much aware that as important as organizations are, there's more and more ability for individuals, for the individual learner, whether they're at school or they're at a workplace and constantly needing to work on professional development that we also needed to find a technical solution to put the learner at the center and in some ways take on a fairly provocative idea, at least in higher education, which was to decenter the authority of the institution. It will remain hugely important, but to really begin to think about a technology solution that allows learners to have the autonomy to share with us at a university or with an employer or with a community organization or a business the evidence of their learning. And if you just think about it, when you graduated from college, what did the university tell the world about you? Your major and maybe your GPA. And that's all. And that is such a discounting of the entire journey of being at a university. And we were trying to find an authentic way to use the trust that we'd earned to find a way to put learners at the center. And I think that's the journey that that we're on. And I think that's in part what excites not only us here at ASU and the higher education community, but as we share the work that we're doing together with Salesforce, I think it's, it's immediately, immediately possible for audiences, broadly speaking, to understand the value proposition of what we're really doing, which is transforming who owns learning. And the answer to who owns learning is it's actually the learner, her or himself. Yeah, I recently had... Um my fiance go through applying to PT school and she had gone to three community colleges uh, and then went and to undergrad, you know, kind of bouncing around taking different classes down in SoCal. And wouldn't you know it, it came back that one of the, uh, one of the schools said that she had never taken uh, whatever introduction to anatomy. And the reason why was because at one of the community colleges, it was called foundations of anatomy And so the system that they had, the technology that they were using, didn't understand the difference between those two things, even though they're an entry-level class. Is this like the type of thing that you could use blockchain to, you know, verify what these type of uh, schools are so that there's less confusion when you're, you know, doing things like trying to show what classes you've taken? Well, the answer is absolutely. And, and, And 
your uh, little anecdote here is unfortunately not a, an exception. 50% of the courses that people try to transfer between institutions actually disappear. They, they become invisible to the transferring institution across the nation. That is a huge waste of human talent and treasury. And a lot of it is because our systems don't talk to each other. And we call this in our world articulation agreements. It may not surprise you that most of this is done with spreadsheets. In the old days, I would have said with an abacus. I mean, it's really, really arcane. And one of the things that we are very much working on uh, through the blockchain effort here is to facilitate inter-organizational capacity to support successful learning. And that means reducing the friction and making sure that uh, when Arizona State University is able to uh, reach a f integrated articulation agreement with a community college or another state university system, um, others can take advantage of that and not have to reinvent all of that work themselves because we're building out a trusted learner network together. And again, all of that then is about the network effect and not just the point to point, you know, the institution to institutional transaction. Yeah, I mean, and I think that to the original point, which was like, let's work our way backwards from the problem. And I think a lot of times you see kind of people trying to figure out the technology before they kind of figure out the problem is like, hey, we're going to use, you know, AI because we need to use it because it's a buzzword or we're going to use blockchain because we don't want to get left behind. Um, but it really seems like this was something that was so crystal clear to you as a technologist, but like a broader trend about like, higher education in general, which is that every student is now, you know, they have multiple devices, they have all these uh, technologies that they use personally. And the interconnection between all of these disparate organizations is a huge pain point for the person as they're graduating. But it's not necessarily a pain point when they're going into school, right? It's kind of like this post-education thing. Do you kind of see that ASU continues beyond graduation that you want it to be more part of their life so that they can leverage all the things that they learned kind of throughout their career? Absolutely. And in and, and ASU, you know, we've actually got a framing of that, which we call the universal learner, because uh, we believe it's not only after college, it's also the experience before you get to university. That's hugely important. And again, we're working with a number of organizations uh, together, uh, including the Girl Scouts of America, uh, because they do badging, um, and they're not the only ones, but you know they produce evidence of a learning outcome, and, and that shouldn't simply be something uh, that hangs in a closet or in a photo. Uh, you know, our goal is to be able to find ways for those who are looking to build out a portfolio of what learning takes place uh, before one gets to a university, uh, you know, through high school. You know, to be able to create evidence of that and then, of course, into the workplace. And, of course, it's not linear either. Uh, it also means that uh, over one's working life, uh, one is constantly in an opportunity to continue to learn. And uh, we see uh, that being another really important part of the, of the goal of building out a, a lifelong learning framework that is agile, uh, that supports, as you described it, the reality that there is not one single uh, focus point for where learning takes place. Uh, it happens in lots of different ways, and we have to find a trustworthy environment that's verifiable uh, and immutable that, in fact, when uh, an organization uh, indicates that a learning objective has been realized, there's a way of actually creating a watermark experience 
the transfer is with the learner uh, and that we can, uh, through our trust relationship with that uh, educational provider or organization, uh, uh, have confidence that, in fact, that is authentic uh, work that has been produced that allows us to assess it uh, and gain it. If I could just add one other little short point here. You know, in America today, uh, over 38 million people have started college but not finished. That's a huge issue. Again, how, how, are, we, how are we helping those people who've started get back into pathways uh, to um, a college degree and beyond? And again, I think it's part of the objective of working together with Salesforce is to help solve for that, not only in terms of the programs, but reducing the friction that allows people who, uh, when life takes over, not to uh, have to forego their dreams, uh, but to find a way uh, to help them accelerate the, the opportunities to come back to college. Yeah, I mean, so we recently had on um, the CEO of Dashlane, uh, Emmanuel, and we were talking about this idea that like, you know, password security is something that can come from the enterprise and trickle down because people don't necessarily, you know, have the means to figure out how to, you know, do the type of, you know, password security on their own. And at the end of the day, it's a threat for, uh, you know, for enterprise companies or, or any company. And I kind of look at like blockchain a little same, but similar, but different where it's like everyone, you know, has access to the blockchain, but you don't necessarily know how you would do that. Um, and then as an enterprise, you kind of have this situation where you have this buy versus build dilemma. Do I want to build out a team to support this? Love, I'm curious, like when you were talking to Adam and you were saying like, hey, we're starting to, we, we know that we want to build uh, this system of trust. We know, want, we know we want an immutable record. We know that we, we know the blockchain is the answer to this. What was the process that you were going through in your mind to figure out, do we do this whole thing in-house? Do we find the right partner um, to do this? Like, what were those, what were those kind of conversations like? Okay, one of the things that we learned uh, a while ago with Salesforce is uh, taking the complexity uh, out of the, the dev environment, providing us uh, essentially with a platform without needing to worry about the code. Uh, you know, that was, that was essentially what I had hoped. Uh, the truth is I didn't know you know, that Adam was leading work within Salesforce before I posed the question, you know, that we've been exploring today. And, you know, we, we got to Adam because, uh, as it turns out, you know, that was uh, work, as he's described it, that was going on at the CEO level of the organization. Uh, for, for us, it was, you know, can we find a technology partner who will find a way to take the complexity out of the uh, development part of the stack and who can help think together with us on really hard problems like identity. Like you mentioned that just in the, in the lead into this question. Identity is complicated when you're actually traversing between personal identity and organizational identity and multiple organizational relationships. Yep. And, and no one has solved this one, but we're putting a bet down that if anyone can help us think this through, you know, it's going to be an organization like Salesforce, which will, you know, has consistently stayed with standards and in many ways uh, helped us uh, broadly in higher education use those standards to help solve some of these really uh, nasty and important questions. And so Adam, I, I'd imagine that when you are, you know, working on all of this stuff behind the scenes and trying to come up with that clarity of use case, that problem that you don't necessarily know exactly what it's going to be, what, what the company is going to come to you with or the organization is going to come to you with, 
Um, but you're working on, you know, on the platform and how you could do, you know, low code blockchain, things like this. Like, I'd imagine this is just music to your ears because like, this is such a big problem. It's such an important problem and it's such a perfect problem for blockchain to solve. Um, I'm curious, like, was this something that as soon as, you know, Lev brought it to you and you kind of just like the lights were on immediately and you're like, this is, this is blockchain, you know, this is our solution, uh, potentially to be able to work in, in kind of perfect harmony. Yeah, that that's, that's really on point actually. So we knew we could launch a blockchain platform we could go to our customers and say, Hey customers, here's blockchain technology. It's easy to use, consume it as you'd like to consume it. But you know, there was so much hype like we were talking about. Companies don't know what to do with it. So it's like you say, it's about finding the real use case. And it's about finding customers who aren't just doing something for a press release. I literally spoke to, I would say, you know, over 100 customers. And of those 100 customers, as we were sort of deciding what to build and how to build this, many of them, they were, they were in that mode of, hey, we just want some amazing press around this. And then when we found Lev and ASU and started talking about this, you know, a real initiative, real business impact, this is not about a press release. This is about really changing the future of education. I was like, wow. And that's where, you know, that's where we believe Salesforce has to be. Yes, we have a fantastic blockchain platform. And yes, customer, you can use it how you'd like to use it. But like you said, it's finding those use cases, those whether it's by industry, whether it's by vertical, whether, you know, whatever it might be, but something very specific that customers can get their arms around and run with and understand how this can benefit their organization. That, that is huge. And that's what we've really been working on. So credentialing, even broader, if we think about it in other places, it's also really valuable. So with the work with ASU, that's been amazing. And if you extend that to other industries, there are also parallels we've seen some interest in as an example for a nonprofit organization. Once someone goes through, let's say, a big granting organization that's going to give a nonprofit a lot of money, and they go through and they say, hey, you know, we validated this is a fantastic nonprofit. The dollars actually end up where they should end up. They're honorable. They're doing fantastic work. It's worthy of your time. It's worthy of your dollars. Once someone goes through and validates, why not make that almost like a credential publicly available so others don't have to go through that same process? We also see it applying to other credentials in other industries. So it's a really powerful use case. And ASU has just taken the lead and run with this in an amazing fashion. You know, with the rollout of, you know, customer 360 platform, um, the idea of, you know, viewing your customer with that 360 degree view. I feel like blockchain is the perfect kind of, um, you know, piece of this that like, I feel like we all, you know, feel like we know our customers pretty well. And, you know, they're, when they're using our technology or whatever it is, or buying our products and we have a pretty good idea, but something like blockchain, the fact that it is immutable, the fact that it, it brings in a layer of trust, it really feels like you know, to me, um, and this topic of identity that we've touched on a little bit, that with with blockchain, we're now going to just have much more power as uh, as technology leaders, as CIOs, to really see what's going on, to see both your empl- own internal employees and your customers. Um, I'm curious in those conversations, Adam, as you're talking to other CIOs, as you're talking to technology leaders. I know that there's a lot of excitement around blockchain and and kind of a lot of confusion. Um, what are some of those other 
kind of hesitancies to use it? What are some of the reasons that people are kind of, um, you know, not really seeing the the value here when it kind of seems like we, we all know that, you know, 10 years from down the line, it's going to be important, but maybe they say, Hey, over the next three years, blockchain is not going to be a priority because we're just going to kick the can. Yeah, sure. So where we're really investing and in seeing opportunity and demand from our customers is in permissioned blockchain. What we mean by that is it's not, completely publicly available. Not anyone can just access the blockchain, see all the data. Because when we're talking about the enterprise, the confidentiality of data is critical. So that's where we're playing. So it's not an open Ethereum. It's a network of companies that we're enabling to come together and share information between them, or like in ASU's case, share information between institutions, also extend that B2C to the end customer, to the student which we love to your point about customer 360. We're all about enabling you company institution to get closer to your end customers. And so that network effect we feel is really, really powerful. So one of the big hesitancies to companies willingness to participate in a network with their suppliers, vendors, end customers, partners is sort of, they fear sort of this data will just be out there in the wild. And so we say, hey, wait a second, no, 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 we actually can control who has access to the data. And this is one of the really innovative things Salesforce is working on, which is, it's not just private in this network of companies, but it can be opened up, this piece of data, that piece of data, this object, that object, it can be opened up permanently to an individual, to another company, it can be opened up just for a certain amount of time. And so that is really powerful. And that that gets people to say, sort of relax, say, okay, 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 data secure, okay, fantastic. And can only be shared where we want it to share. I think that's a big thing that's sort of, you know, getting people to, to slow roll adoption. I think a second thing is incentives. So blockchain is not just about the technology. Let's say we solve the technology and we solve all these challenges of like you and Lev are talking about of identity and some of the really complex things. Anytime you're building networks and companies are coming together, this is not natural. Like competitors working together, suppliers and vendors working together in sort of an equal relationship, not one dominant sort of dictating how everyone else will play in the network. So you get to things that are non-technical. So you get to governance, like who has the right to add others to the network. So if, if Lev and Arizona State are going to partner with other institutions, who says, oh, that, that other university, yeah, let's let them in the network or that other company is going to you know, have a workforce that's going to consume some of this education, let's let them into the network. So you could say it's all open, but the governance around adding that additional company or security rules, or even in a network where there's payments happening between parties, who gets paid? How do they get paid? Who play, Who pays for the blockchain? Who pays for this network? That all gets really complicated and it's non-technical. So helping companies with those things is also really, really important and also slows adoption because companies have to come together and really think about this stuff. Yeah, Lev, do you feel like um, your peers and, and other CIOs uh, and technology leaders are have some reservations about this and, and might uh, and might be you know on the fence about about using blockchain and like why that might be? You know, in education, uh, you know, our community of CIOs um, are, you know, as a breed, uh, fairly curious about uh, new technologies. And uh, I think, you know, as a kind of community of practice, you know, we're drawn to education because it's uh, a wonderful opportunity, a privilege in many ways to to try uh, and even to fail 
without the consequences uh, that you know are important to CIOs uh, in a corporate setting, uh, where failure you know can come at a significant uh, price, personal and the organizational. And so again, I think uh, as I've been sharing the work that we're doing, and, and actually just a couple of weeks ago we were in Chicago uh, at a big higher education gathering, and you know we had a standing room only uh, audience. There was uh, a huge amount of interest uh, in actually tackling questions like many that Adam actually just outlined related to governance. Uh, and it just strikes me that in, you know, it's such a more interesting problem to solve for than you know, figuring out how to use blockchain for supply chain. Now, I'm not saying that's not important and there's not a lot of money to be had there. But the problem, uh, problem of figuring out you know, how to build out a trusted learner network that involves and supports the privacy that we know, uh, you know students have a, an, an entitlement, a right to under federal law uh, figuring out uh, how they give permission to which organization or other individuals for objects in their learning portfolio, uh, how we actually uh, facilitate overall learner success rather than barriers to transfer, as we talked about earlier in the time together. Those are things that CIOs in higher education seem to be really interested in, and, and we've made a commitment to, here at ASU to actually get a whole bunch of us together, and I don't mean just CIOs, but also the Department of Education and some uh, important fellow travelers in the corporate world, and we, we, of course that, that includes Salesforce, to come together to start really working on, on the network piece of it now that we have a series of proof points, some of which now we're actually moving into production as soon as general availability for the cloud um, is, uh, is made uh, known to the public. And my favorite, uh, my favorite military... Uh military commander, general availability at your service. Uh, it's a bad joke. Um, yeah, I, you know, we, we've actually had a, an episode on, um, on blockchain for, for supply chain. And uh, it's quite literally in the name. Uh, it's a chain. So what's funny, I think, is we've gotten so good at supply chain. And now it's like, you know, obviously it's the next, it's a, it's an obvious use case. It's, it's the next step for, for supply chain to be able to track SKUs across, uh, you know, different companies and all that stuff. And it is a fascinating episode. Um, but I'd agree with you that you, you take something like education where it's so critical and so obvious and to the, to the student, they are just perplexed. Like I can tell you, you know, from the firsthand experience of, I, my fiance taking, uh, you know, whatever testing out of English in high school and then having a, you know, PT school be like, Hey, you never took English in college. And it's like, how could you not know that? <laughs> you know, like, isn't this all connected? Like how, how would you not know that those individual things that happen to the student, it's your life. And it prevents you from doing, from applying to grad school, from getting a job, from, you know, showing a certification. Uh, it prevents all sorts of things from happening quite literally due to a technical error, you know, and these are a lot of times human beings, you know, that are sitting in front of a computer trying to do amazing work that don't know that, you know, introduction to, to, you know, psychology is the same as, you know, foundations of psychology. Um, I'm curious, Lev, like when you're talking about, you know, down to the individual student, is this something that they're going to see? Are they going to know that, that you have, you know, blockchain technology that is supporting them in these efforts? Or is this something that, um, you know, the world goes on and, and nobody knows, uh, nobody is, is the wiser, although maybe a little bit just from, you know, it's, it's the new normal, kind of like the internet working. Yeah. I mean, the, the answer is absolutely. Um, and I'll just reflect on some things I shared earlier. 
it, our whole goal is to put the learner at the center of everything. So let me give you a real quick use case. A lot of students in the country uh, begin their uh, higher education journey in a community college. And the vast majority of them actually aspire to coming to universities. In fact, many, many don't finish their two-year AA degree before they actually apply to a university. And then they get to a university like Arizona State University. And uh, along the journey, um, without knowing, uh, because actually we don't know what they took really before, we're not really watching once we've admitted them to what they took before they got here. And the community college pretty much says goodbye when they actually get admitted to ASU. But using the blockchain uh, and with permission of the learner, uh, we can keep a sharing of the ledger of the courses that the student's taking. She's here at ASU and actually get her a two-year AA degree while she's on the journey here at ASU. And whether she finishes ASU or actually, you know, unfortunately perhaps doesn't finish, she's got a credential she can, you know, she can exit higher education with. And hopefully it inspires her because she actually does get an AA degree while she's here at ASU to actually finish her four-year degree. Um, and, and again, I, I, the, for the learner's perspective, I really don't think we're ever going to call, you know, watch the magic of blockchain and action working for you. Um, it's going to actually be part of our engagement work. And we have a very successful uh, mobile app environment. And for, for learners, they're going to see a view to what they're taking, uh, what their prerequisites are, what they've accomplished, what, uh, again, what opportunities there are for uh, jobs after they take this sort of uh, set of, of courses. Actually, hopefully, uh, through better uh, machine learning, actually be able to provide the tuning uh, of the course the courses that they need to be taking to be successful in the workplace over time as we get the workforce community engaged in this uh, distributed ledger infrastructure. Uh, and so, um, you know, again, our objective is really very much to put the learner uh, in control. The scenario that you outlined, it's a huge disservice that higher education um, has uh, essentially inflicted upon you know, 21st century learners because we haven't figured out how to get uh, the systems modernized and democratized as it has so much in our consumer life. And again, I think that's why we're motivated uh, and inspired by the prospect of working with Salesforce on this. So Adam, what's next for the future of blockchain at Salesforce? And, and actually, I did want to touch on mobile really quick as well. So uh, mobile and, and blockchain, because I think, you know, obviously all of these are are interconnected and um, and the fact that you know, the, that AI and mobile and blockchain and all these things can, can work together. I know on the Salesforce platform is, is really exciting, but it, it accentuates, um, you know, what you can do from a blockchain perspective when you have these other ways to, uh, you know, to build. Sure. Like Lev is saying, I think the, the end customer, they may not know what blockchain truly is at the end of the day. They might know the word, maybe not, but like Lev, we're very focused on that end customer being in the center of this universe and the focus on that. And one of the really interesting sort of use cases that our customers have been really driving us towards is something we call ethical sourcing. So ethical sourcing is when I buy a cotton shirt, you know, where did the, where did the cotton come from? Did it come from a place with, you know, terrible labor practices, child, child labor, almost slave like conditions, which are out there in, in certain countries. There's something called as Becky cotton, which is just cotton from a terrible place in terms of labor practices, or did it come from an ethical supply chain? When I'm buying shoes or other garments, did it, were they made from plastic recycled from the ocean or did they come from, you know, just typical manufacturing processes? 
Um, so this is becoming really important for our customers. And one of the things we hear is, oh, well, do consumers care about this? Do they care about the supply chain? And what we're finding in, in interviews we're doing with them, the focus groups is, is absolutely they do care. Um, they want to know that the products they're buying are from trusted, ethical places. And it's not surface. If you're buying an organic piece of food, it's not just a picture of a happy farmer. It's, hey, was that farmer paid a fair wage? Were the, were the products, were they given the right feed? Were they allowed to roam free? You know, all these conditions, not just, oh, it came from a certain place, become really important. And so I think that's an area that we're really pushing in because our customers are bringing us there and we help, we believe we can help solve this, not only on the supply chain side and tracking sort of the lineage, like we were talking about classic blockchain, but also the connection to the customer at the end of the day and bringing those together. That's where we see Salesforce having a real differentiation is linking the end customer all the way back through the supply chain. Um, in terms of mobility and AI, some of the things we're seeing that are exciting. Well, one thing, if you think about bringing networks together and you think about AI, you know, training data, whether it's robotics or it's AI, you know, gathering enough data to really make sure that AI is, is unbiased, is, is intelligent. Um, if you're gathering data from multiple institutions or multiple sources, blockchain can be fantastic for the verification of that data to make sure it's, you know, real data and not fraudulent and who's submitting it. So that's, I think, a really interesting area to enable groups of organizations or universities or institutions to put together data to have a broader set to enable better training of AI. I think that's powerful. And then another thing we're seeing around ethical supply chain from a mobility perspective is actually working with satellite companies and saying, hey, you can take pictures of farms, of the rainforests, of fields. What's happening? How do we know these images are real? So much is happening around fake news, fake imagery. Yeah. Can we stamp and validate that these pictures are real? So when somebody posts something, or you read something in the New York Times or another institution, oh yeah, I know that story is real. I think that's a really powerful future for blockchain as well. And the end customer, again, they may not know it's blockchain technology sitting behind it. So somehow we figure out how to communicate through a verification stamp or trust score or a logo that becomes meaningful that, that yes, this is truly something real and not fake. Yeah, I, I think of it like the um, like the consumer going from HTTP to HTTPS. Like all of us as consumers were like, man, securities, we're in good shape. It's got that S on there. Um, like that was all it took to convince all of us that everything was secure, right? Um, which is may or may not be a good thing. But uh, but yeah, it's the same sort of thing where you have uh, you have a layer of technology that is sometimes, you know, um, transparent, but sometimes it's just a little, a little muddled. And I love those use cases. We, um, the complexity of like sourcing and being able to verify things like that. I mean, as we said at the top, like this is all about trust. And the great thing is that like, we have a trust problem in, you know, society as, you know, we always have in society. This is not like a new thing. Whenever anyone's like, oh, we have a trust. Yeah, we always have. That's, you know, from the days that you could, you know, anyone could print a newspaper and disseminate it, you have a trust problem. Um, and I think that solutions like blockchain allow us to be more trusted and for businesses to have more transparency with who they're doing business with. And that's that's exciting for us at Mission. And it's exciting uh, to hear for for technologists to be able to have more fidelity on that. You know, just sort of share that uh, as Adam was uh, sharing, um, you know, one of the big challenges for all universities is uh, to be thinking not only about our learners, 
but also the fact that we're, you know, we are cities, uh, sometimes nested within bigger cities. And, uh, you know, as the technology evolves, uh, this is about creating a relationship between our community uh, and the city. And here at ASU, um, as Adam knows, you know, we're also trying to think of the situation where, you know, over time, while as important as it is for us to use blockchain to support learner to learner environments or institution to institution, there's a whole nother realm, which is, you know, when machines and uh, instrumenting of, of, of radios uh, in a smart city are developed to support a, a more convenient, a, a better quality of life in, in the city, uh, making sure that we uh, are capable of using the trust fabric to make sure uh, that uh, uh, we don't turn um, our cities with the use of technology into surveillance societies, uh, but rather around which you know we can we can develop trust fabrics. I think is going to be hugely important. Again, I, I see that as another monster challenge out there. Uh, and as as long as we can you know make progress together in these big sort of challenged areas around education or, or, or sort of, as Adam was describing, end-to-end verification along the supply chain. I, I think, you know, we're positioning ourselves to really answer the important questions of the 21st century, which again, as an educator, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that, uh, you know, we have a, a technology partner who's thinking as big and as ambitiously and as innovatively as we are. We got to have you guys back just to do a smart cities episode, uh, because we've, uh, we love that stuff. And it's just always so fascinating to think about, you know, the blending of the physical and digital world and how we can, uh, how we can enhance those relationships. I'm sure yeah, Adam really, <laughs> Oh, go ahead, guys. I'm just saying, I'm sure we're, we're good for it. Right, Adam? Just, just give us another <laughs> ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Smart City is an area, area where Levin and CMA really done some amazing work and partnering with them on that initiative would be amazing, will be amazing. And these are hard problems. Like this is not easy stuff, right? Like Lev is talking about trust as it relates to facial recognition and how blockchain can be a piece of that, you know, who exactly knows longer term. Um, but these are big questions and going to require a lot of innovative thinking. So certainly exciting to work on without a doubt. All right, let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like working on the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. I know you both know it well, but you know we got to make sure that the people do. You can go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more. So exciting to do lightning round questions with both of you. Are you ready? On your mark. Absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> number one, we'll start with Lev. What? App on your phone is the most fun. I think it's still to this day texting with my kids. Adam? I would have to go with Instagram. I follow a bunch of restaurants. I love to cook and I love looking at that stuff. Oh, hold it, hold it, hold it. I got I got to change mine. The vino. Adam knows. I'm a wine snob. Got to go right uh, there. Yes, that is true. One of the... Forget my, one of the, forget my kids. It's all about wine. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm switching it to Vivino. Fair enough. I'm aligned with the love. Okay. Favorite bottle under $20. I'm going to throw out a great uh, new uh, Arizona wine producer called Rune, R-U-N-E. And James Callahan has a whole bunch of great 
old world uh, wines that are uh, GSM for around that price point. And I just have a Merceau that I just bought from him today. It actually came in the in the mail. I got my UPS while we were here, and uh, that's a that's also a great price performer. Adam, yeah, I would go with. I'm going to go with. It's called Bring It, which is just really cool branding for really great organic wines out of Oregon. And Bring It is one of their blends, and it's just awesome and not expensive, and it's got that organic funk that is uh, super appealing. How about favorite? teacher that you've ever had in your life third grade mrs smith it's all because of her she was a great great teacher who uh, pretty much took me under her wing and and uh, told told me uh don't let them tell you you can't do it adam i would say maura michael so i went to a uh jewish school through eighth grade and maura's teacher we called him maura michael and he was my my science teacher and just really blew our minds with his passion. And I remember when the shuttle exploded, we were with him in class and it was just obviously such a profound moment in all of our lives and to share that with him and hear his perspective and be a part of that was just so heartbreaking, but also to, to have him there with us in his point of view and to learn so much about it also really life affecting. Last question. Lev, best advice for a first-time CIO? Strive to thrive with ambiguity. Jeez, you must add that one chambered. That was great. Um, Adam, best advice. I, I don't know how many of these are there out there, but SVP of emerging technology. Ooh, best advice. I would say um, focus on, like Lev said at the beginning, are we really solving a problem that matters? And are we really delivering business impact or are we just tinkering? I think in the world of emerging technologies, there's, a, there's often an appetite to drive towards hype and sort of fooling around with stuff. And it's like, no, 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 this is not technology for technology's sake. Are we solving a real problem? Are we bringing something of value to our customers? Are we doing something amazing that will drive impact? I would say don't get trapped in that, in that tinkering world and focus on, on real problems that we can solve. Gents, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we'll definitely need to bring you back for, uh, for wine talk. Um, and, then, uh, and then maybe we'll do some smart cities. Uh, Lev, any final thoughts? Nope. Thanks, Adam. See you in San Francisco. Yeah, we'll see you both at Dreamforce. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Bye now. Take care. Bye, guys. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform.